Right. So we're having a very quick conversation about glute inhibition. Um, female client that has, was it the right or left side, Mary? Both. Oh, both glutes aren't firing very well. Okay. So we're just, we're just talking about the things that can contribute to glutes that don't really go online very well. Now, we, we started off by quickly reviewing a couple of tests. So we looked at Yonder's um, hip extension test where the person lays prone, we palpate the hamstring, the glute, and both sides of lumbar rectus. We ask the person to raise their leg. And according to Vladimir Yonder, the correct sequence of recruitment should be hamstring, glute, contralateral lumbar rectus, ipsilateral lumbar rectus. Now, I don't really worry too much about that. As I was saying, I'm more interested in how well the glute actually comes online. So we know that the glutes produce maximal torque around the hip joint at 180. So when someone's laying prone, their hip is at 180. And then we're actually going to look at how much extension they can move into with a very strong glute contraction contributing to that hip extension that we're seeing. So when we start seeing people lifting their leg and there's a very soft sort of dialed down glute contraction, then we know there's a bit of a problem there because we should be seeing quite a good, strong glute contraction as we go into hip extension, we move into that short and strong type range of motion. All right. So when we see that, right, it's not just a matter of going, okay, well, let's do glute activation drills. So that's a big thing that a lot of people talk about. So let's do activation work, isolation, activation type drills. Now there is a place for that, but the question is, what is the cause and contributing factors that's resulted in that glute going offline, All right? So when a muscle is being dialed down, we want to address the cause, right? We don't just go in there and go, okay, let's do some glute activation work. I mean, if we do, we can trick the system long enough to get it back online, right? We can dial it up and get a better contraction. And the person might go, oh, wow, I feel a lot better doing this exercise. I can feel my glute contracting when I'm doing this exercise. But unfortunately, when they come back again for the next workout, you're probably going to be starting at, at starting from the beginning again, all right? Because we haven't addressed what keeps wanting to dial it down. All right. So when we see that, we start thinking about what are all the things that could be the cause and contributing factor to this inhibition that we're seeing in the glutes. So we talked about starting from the ground up and we talked about old ankle injuries. So when people have had significant ankle injuries, Right, we know that that can cause inhibition of the ipsilateral gluteus maximus. And I've talked a lot about athletes with bad ankle injuries in the past, having glutes that have really dialed down and not working very well. And then just by going down, doing some release work on the ligaments around the ankle, we've been able to see the glutes boom, come online straight away. All right, so it's pretty fascinating when you get to experience that. Then if we go up to the level of the hip, right, we talked about like things like facilitated muscles. So when someone has a very short type facilitated iliozoas or a lot of tightness and pain and stuff from the attachment point of the rectus femoris, we can start to see reciprocal inhibition in the antagonistic muscles on the other side. So we can see glutes that are being dialed down when there's a lot of facilitation on the anterior aspect of the hip in terms of the muscles that cross the hip, all right? So we may need to apply intervention where we do a lot of hip opener type work, right? To release, then we do short and strong work on the other side for the glute, which should help turn that muscle and get it back up, you know, turn it back up and get it back online, all right? And that would also include activation work 
as well after we've released the anterior part of the hip. The other thing we talked about that can cause problems is a thing called synergistic dominance. Right? So again, if we look at hip extension, right, we know that yes, hamstrings contribute to hip extension with the glutes, but we can see synergistic dominance where the hamstrings become the main like extensor of the hip and we start to see the glutes going offline like we talked about. And we've seen this a lot in long distance runners. You see long distance runners standing there. We see a very like hypertonic or very active, you know, bicep femoris muscle, and then just mushy, saggy, flat butts because there's no real glute recruitment going on at all. And you can see that. So what happens is that when they're extending the hip, the bicep femoris is the predominant hip extensor. But unfortunately, right, that can cause problems in the hip leading to anterior hip pain due to things like anterior femoral glide issues and things like that. Because remember, the glute max actually communicates with the hip in the sense that around 20 to 25% of its fibers, the deep fibers, attach to the neck of the femur around the femoral head, right, just below the femoral head. And it has a role of acting like a rotator cuff muscle in a sense. So it sort of a, has a role in terms of stabilizing and minimizing accessory movement in the hip. So when we extend the hip, right, the glutes also controlling the accessory movements at the hip in terms of the articulation of the femur with the acetabulum. Now, if we don't really have that online, and now we're predominantly elevating the leg just through the bicep femoris, right, now there's nothing really controlling the accessory movement at the hip because the bicep femoris doesn't communicate at the level of the hip. Remember, its origin is the ischial tuberosity. So it doesn't actually have a connection with the femoral neck or around the, the femoral head type area. So now as we're getting extension, there's nothing controlling the accessory translations and glides at the hip. And we see a lot of these long distance runners complaining of anterior hip pain, which as I said, is often due to anterior femoral glide issues. All right. So we need to think about all those sorts of things, but then we need to go even further. We've got to think about what muscles, uh, so what nerves actually innovate the glutes as well, right? Because we need to think about the potential for a problem at the level of the spine that could be compressing or causing problems with the motor neurons that innovate the glute meat, the glute max, and things like that. So we've got to think about our five S1 type problems, all right? So if I remember correctly, it's like, um, I think our five innovate... L5, we've got the superior gluteal nerve, which innervates the glute med, and S1, the inferior gluteal nerve, which innervates the glute max, if I remember correctly, or it could be L4, L5, right? Someone can double check that for me. But when we start seeing people with disc pathologies, where we're getting compression on different nerve roots, right, we can start to see atrophy and, and weakening of different muscles as well, right? But her history wouldn't really suggest that. So I wouldn't really be worrying too much about that at this stage, but it... If you want to, you can still go through those, those tests just to rule out any, contribu any contribution from, from the lower back. Right? We also need to think about things like the sacroiliac joint. Right? If there's a problem with the sacroiliac joint, it can cause problems at the level of the gluteus maximus. So remember, the sacroiliac joint is a joint that's designed to deal with large compressive forces, but it's vulnerable to bending and shear forces. And if we start to get problems in the positioning of the anonymous on the sacrum, right, we can get an issue 
that relates to an unlocking of the SIJ on one side, right? So we talk about force closure and form closure. Right? You guys should be familiar with all these concepts, so I won't go into them in detail. But we know that if we start to get a twisting in the pelvis and we start to get a problem in terms of force and form closure at the SIJ, we can get a lot of instability and shearing type pain in there. And you'll often see a dialing down of these key muscles, especially like the glute max and things like this happening as well. I'm getting a lot of ding-donging going on with Mighty Networks. All right. So we would also think about maybe doing some tests to look at the SIJ and to make sure the SIJ is okay. Right. So remember, we talk about doing things like the long sit test, the active straight leg raise test and things like that to see if any of those things are contributing. All right. So lastly, visceral issues and gynecological issues. So if a female is struggling and having gynecological challenges, right, that can also be the cause and contributing factor that leads to SIJ issues, which can then overflow and present itself as glutes that are firing very well. All right, so we need to think about all that. So if we are picking up on SIJ issues, remember the totem pole, we want to jump up to the top right, and move up the totem pole, sorry, not jump to the top straight away, and think about everything above the SIJ can be the cause and contributing factor to that SIJ problem. And directly above and around the SIJ is the gynecological area and the viscera and things like that. So any problems there can cause a musculoskeletal issue in the form of sacroiliac joint instability and pain. All right. So do you guys want to add anything? All good? All right. But as you can see, this is the beauty of what we do because it's one thing to go, oh, okay, we're seeing a weakness here. But what we do is we go, okay, let's troubleshoot that. Let, let's get to the cause. Because if we can fix that, then there's a chance that all these activation type work and short and strong type training protocols are going to take effect and we're going to move someone forward. Okay. Any questions on that, Mary? Um, no, I don't think it's the, it's SIJ issues because I've done the active straight um, like test on her. Um, it's, it's not from her ankle either. I think her thing is because she does cheerleading and she mm -hmm. sits a lot. So I think it's mainly the um, hip flexors are quite tight. Right. And um, yeah, it's probably from her. I don't know about gynecological issues. She, I know she used to use um, Marina. Is that what it is? I think. One of those, um, is it Marina? The, I don't know, it's those things that girls use. It's like a, they, it, I don't know, regulates their period or whatever. But then she removed it and she doesn't get her period often. Yeah. And her periods at the moment, um, it's like a contraception, but okay. it's, but she's removed it. So she, her period's all over the place at the moment. Um, I, I don't know that would be a case for her. When she does menstruate, is it uncomfortable? Oh, not, it's not too bad, actually. It's not too bad. Okay. Um, but she does just, she doesn't get it often. It's yeah. like it's relating itself again kind of thing. But right. I don't think it is any huge issues with that. Okay. Then if, if, 
if it's not any of those sorts of things, then we maybe just got to go all the way back to basics, which is just the mind muscle connection and, and get, get it happening again. All right. It's just a sleeping giant and we just need to wake it up. All right. So that's why, remember I talked about glute walking and how powerful that technique is. Yeah. So she maybe if she is really tight at the front of the hips, she might need to do just basic release work, like, you know, like the couch stretch and stuff like that. And then just follow that with, with glute walking. And just to always, whenever she's walking around, like even at work and stuff like that, just keep thinking glute walking, glute walking. And eventually she'll, she'll get that stuff back online again. All right. Thank you. No worries.